Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, one another, and the whole world. Happy second Sunday of Christmas. A little church year calendar trivia. We only get a second Sunday of Christmas if Christmas falls on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. I don't know if you know, but the 12 days of Christmas that we hear in the song are actually part of our liturgical calendar. So we don't always get to hear the story of the wise men, which I just read. Technically, the celebration of their arrival happens on January 6th, the Feast of the Epiphany, more about that later. But the lectionary assigns their story to us on the second Sunday of Christmas when there is one. So the story of the wise men, also known as the three kings, who follow a star to Bethlehem to worship Jesus. A familiar story, yes, but one which we may think we know better than we actually do. First of all, the Bible doesn't say that they were kings, and in fact, it doesn't even say that they were wise, at least not in the way that we think of that word. The obscure word used in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the only of the Gospels to tell us this story, is magi, which is the same word from which we get our word magician. And most translations of the Bible, not the RNSV notwithstanding, use the word magi here. Magi were astrologers, dream interpreters, fortune tellers. And you may notice that the Bible doesn't say that there were three of them. That image probably comes from the mention of three gifts and from artwork and his hymns that were created centuries later, including the beautiful one that we just sang. It also, magi is also a, not a male word, and so there were most likely women among the magi, probably a caravan of them. So, as preacher and theologian Nadia Boltz Weber puts it, we three kings of Orient are not in the Bible. Three kings from the Orient bringing gifts to Jesus in a manger, she continues, is a charming story, but not actually the one found in the Bible. A closer reading of Matthew shows that we have no idea how many people there were, and we don't know how far east, from how far east they came from. Was it the Orient? Was it New Jersey? And most importantly, they were definitely not kings. They were magi as in magicians, and not the cute kind you hire for your children's birthday party. Yet history made them out to be kings, maybe because the reality that they were magicians is too distasteful. As Nadia Boltz Weber says, no one really wants the weird fortune teller lady from the circus with her scarves and crystal balls to be the first to discover the birth of Jesus Christ. End quote. It is quite a story. We aren't privy to the details of what it was about this particular star that made them sit up and take notice, what made them strike out on a journey to a place they clearly had never been before, what made them go bearing extravagant gifts. 
were left to wonder what they saw in that star. But clearly it was something that told them this is something extraordinary. And they simply set out to follow it. Now we hear along the way that they had a chat with King Herod, who is immediately threatened and thrown into fear by news of a newborn king. So why? Well, Herod is clinging to shreds of supposed power when he is really in the grips of the Roman Empire by whom he has been granted rule over Judea. He works appeasing the empire by oppressing the working people, keeping them in line, and in return, enjoys the privilege of power and wealth. Make no doubt, Herod was king in name only. His power nothing more than ceremonial, and he was allowed to keep his kingdom as long as he maintained a low profile and didn't allow rabble-rousing. He wants to keep his position. He has sons of his own that he wants to pass this on to. He has a lot to lose if indeed this newborn baby is the kind of king he thinks he is. The news undoes him, and he reacts in fear, fear of losing his power, of being made irrelevant. Under the ruse of desiring to also go and worship the newborn king, which is not his intent, he tells the Magi to return to him and tell him where the child is. So the Magi travel on, following this dazzling star, this sign that they don't entirely understand, until it leads them to Bethlehem. And again, we tend to think of this as being at the manger, at this newborn thing, but it could have happened anywhere up to two years after the birth of Jesus. We don't hear the details of what occurred. We are told only that they are filled with great joy, and the only response that seems right to them is to fall to their knees in front of this child, pay honor to him, and offer up precious gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then the Magi are warned in a mysterious dream that they should not return to Herod, and so they journey off in a new way. They find another way home. We don't hear anything more about the magical magi, but they witness evil in fear, they recognize it for what it is, and they stare it down, subverting power and finding another way. I'm left with the sense that they have been changed forever by this experience that started only with them noticing, with paying attention to something that grabbed them and wouldn't let go. And we are left with this magical, mysterious story that reminds us that from Jesus' birth, God is doing a new thing, breaking down the walls, separating people and worlds from one another. Because after the shepherds, the magi are the first to hear of and to seek and to recognize and to worship Jesus. These are the ones who come seeking an audience with a Jewish king, to learn where to worship a Jewish Messiah. Gentiles, outsiders, pagans, worshipers of a different god, the star which the Magi follows becomes a bridge. Two disparate worlds aligning in one same goal. Hope. Hope for a better future. 
The story of the Magi is another beautiful reminder of the ways in which God transcends our humanity and constantly disrupts our expectations of where, how, and to whom God appears. A young peasant girl? Check. Shepherds minding their own business? Yep. Stargazing Persian magicians? Why not? On Thursday, we begin the season of Epiphany, a season when we are called to be star seekers, to pay attention to what God might be using to grab our attention in such a way that it will not let us rest until we seek it out to see what extraordinary things it might reveal. We are called to pay attention to mystery, to what might speak to us and whisper us into a new way of being, to pay attention to that which might bring us such joy that our only response might be to fall to our knees and give it the respect and the time and treasure it deserves. And we are called always, but especially in Epiphany, to listen for the God who spoke through stars, strangers, and dreams, to call all people to hope, to love, to joy. May we allow that God to open our eyes and minds and hearts. In the name of the one who loves us and brought us into life. Amen. <laughs>